exciting episode of Ed's Auto Garage podcast. But before we get started with the podcast, let's give a shout out to Arango Insurance Services. Arango Insurance Services is your traditional home auto commercial insurance brokerage that specializes in providing insurance to the automotive industry. From exotic and collector cars and private automotive collections to ensuring automotive OEM repair shops, restoration shops, automotive component manufacturers, and even dealerships. We write coverages with many of the top carriers and we can customize a policy to fit your needs. Check us out, Arango Insurance Services at www.arangoins.com or call us at 949-887-1274. Again, 949-887-1274. And stay tuned to this podcast. It's a good one. Thanks. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Ed's Auto Garage. Again, it's Ed Arango coming to you live from uh, within my garage here in uh, sunny Huntington Beach, California. I'll tell you, for the last two weeks, it's been scorching here and very uncommon for us. I mean, we were hitting 90 degree days here for us, which is really crazy. Today, it's a little more milder. It's about 78. It's, you know, it's, it's nice. It's doable. But uh, again, thanks everybody for, for coming in. And many of you guys can kind of see that uh, things look a little bit different in my garage. You can see the, uh, the alpha has been moved around a little bit. I have it. And um, not that I'm trying to show it off or anything. It's literally after I finish the podcast, I have to work on it. I got to figure out what happened with the flipping blinkers. So, but I'm glad I have John Sacamino from Sport and Specialty out in Illinois with us today. And uh, he'll kind of guide us through this here. John, Thanks so much for hopping on here with me today. Hey, Ed, thanks for having me. We're, uh, it's not 78 here. It's, uh, no, it's about the same degrees here. Actually, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of pacing you right now in Northern Illinois. Things are getting dry, but it's, it's nice here today. So, I mean, you guys have had also some pretty hot weather the last couple of uh, weeks too out there, right? Yeah, it was good. And then this <laughs> winter showed up on Sunday for a trade, you know, I went to a big British car meet on Sunday and it, turned 58 degrees and rained all day and i went oh, that's, right. that's right this is why i love living here this is beautiful this is just <laughs> well i came home and i had to turn the heat on for a few minutes because i'm like this is crazy but you know hey it is what it is i can always come out and visit you guys but you know the business is here so it is what it is yeah so one of the things that's really intriguing to me about john is that john's one of these guys that's kind of uh, and I guess we'll hear it directly from him, but is kind of, um, kind of done what he's wanted to do. He's kind of, uh, you know, has the guts or has had the guts to just make a career change from one industry and move into the to the automotive industry. Um, but before we get talking a little bit about that, John, John. Bring us up to speed a little bit about you and 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 your upbringing and your family life and and were your your parents involved in the autos? Did they care less? Were you the only one in your family that liked cars? How did how did that love for autos kind of start up in your head? 
you know, as you said, you wouldn't talk about things that might be off limits and, you know, I mean, family and, you know, my, my, my prison record, all that stuff is <laughs> off limits. No, we, I'm, I'm, um, you know, I'm the one, I'm the generational, you know, um, hippie, I guess. I, I, I just like cars since I was a kid. I remember, you know, like three, three and a half years old, my dad borrowed an MGA from a guy in the neighborhood and took me down a, for a drive, Lakeshore Drive in Chicago, runs along the lake. And God, I remember just having so much fun doing that. And, and you know, you could smell the leather and the top was down and my dad was driving and I'm looking around going, oh my God, this, you know, oh my God. You know, as a kid, you're just sitting there going, this is awesome. You know, I want to do this again. And I just became hooked on them. Every time we drove, we took a ride. You know, I look out and like, oh, there's another little car and there's another little car. So I, I kind of became hooked on the, you know, small British cars. Um, took me a while to fall in love with the Italian stuff, but indeed I did. Um, you know, my first car was a TR3. Um, I, I grew up in the city, you know, in the city of Chicago. I thought it was about 12, 13. We moved out to Park, Park Ridge, which is a suburb of Chicago near O'Hare. You know, and then my friends, you know, all of a sudden you start going to high school and you, you find out, you know, you, you, you tend to gravitate towards other people that like cars. And next thing you know, you know, it doesn't matter if they're American cars or foreign cars, cars are cars, you know. So I've, I've been pretty much a car guy most of my life, I guess. Um, you know, we were all working on cars in high school and, and you know, listening to music and getting thrown out of garages and having, you know, having that kind of, you know, 70s, 70s life, if you will. Yeah, and, and I'm sure you kind of grew up in that era such as mine, where where they were still offering, you know, auto shop in high school and things like that. And, 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 and at least in my high school, I mean, the, the car guys kind of all kind of went to like the shop and worked, you know, did their oil changes and checked their brakes and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm assuming that was probably pretty similar to you over there at that, yeah, during I took, that era. I took two years of auto shop, you know, oh. um, I was an art student and an auto shop student and an English student, but, you know, basically, you know, I took two years of auto shop. I rebuilt engines. We, you know, we did everything and we did everything in that shop. And, and, that would have been, uh, you know, your first, you know, if you would, your your first um, uh, educational experience, you know, with with the automotive industry. Although, you know, we were all taking apart stuff from, you know, uh, you know, one stroke Briggs and or uh, four stroke Briggs and Stratton engines and anything else we could get our hands on beforehand. Um, but we had a really good auto shop teacher. I still I still have the book from back then. I oh, still wow. use, every once in a while I go back to some of the notes I had and. Most of the cars I work on today, with with a good auto shop program, you can pretty still much pretty pretty much still work on them. Um. So then you know, fast forward, you know, life happens. You you get a you get a a you a career going. Uh, tell us a little bit about the career you path you originally took, um, and what kind of car were you driving during those periods of time? Well, at, at one point. You know, I got out of high school. I, I worked as a Burger King manager for for four or five years, four years or so. And um, you know, then I had company cars and an MGB. You know, it was a nice deal. And 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 then I got involved in the computer industry at, at with within Burger King as they started getting going computerized back in the late '70s. 
and I kind of gravitated to that. And that was cool. I mean, that was something neat. It was something different. And I was, I was kind of, I had an aptitude for it. So I ended up being a sales guy selling the stuff that we were buying. And um, it kind of led me into a, led me into a sales career um, on the technology end of the world. Um, I sold uh, retail systems, if you will, everything from DOS-based stuff to Unix and Xenix-based, you know, high-end stuff. And Point of sale fun. stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, and it was fun. And, and uh, you know, during that time, I, I really, at some point I had an MGB and, and I didn't know what straight, you know, straight commission was, you know, you ate what you killed. And, you know, you say, everybody says, hey, you know, this, here's your company car, but you got to pay for it. And I'm like, oh, wow, what's that? So I ended up being, uh, you know, I'm like, no, you guys pay for it. No, that's not how this works. And one thing I, I had an MGB and, you know, and I'm, I'm showing up and in the Midwest, it's a little humid, you know, in the Midwest. So I'm showing up for sales calls, you know, wearing a suit in an MGB with a top up, sweating my, sweating my uh, brains out. And I said, yeah, this isn't going to work. So I had to, I finally had to trade the MGB in for like an Impala. And it was so it was awful, you know. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm an Impala guy. How did that happen, you know? And, <laughs> but I had to make a living, you know. And actually, that sure. was it was the right move, um, you know, for for a few years. But eventually, eventually, you know, which when you're in your 20s, four years is a long time. I had that about four years, and I ended up buying a BMW 320. You know, I used one, but nevertheless, something a little more a little more my speed, if you will. Sure. So that yeah. kind of put me back on the path. Gotcha. I mean, and you, you always had that, that car bug in you throughout that whole time. Um, sure. I, I assess, right. Well, yeah. And then, you know, and then I ended up <laughs> one thing, you know, one thing leads to another, you know, then you go, well, I have 320. Then you, then you buy the next model. Then you go, you know, a Porsche would be nice, you know? And, and so one thing, you know, and you're starting to make a few more dollars and you bought the house. So that's done. You've got a few other things done and, you know, so I went from, uh, uh, I, I traded in a 318 BMW, which was a terrible car, but, it, you know, it was my daily driver and I bought a, nine, uh, a 944 Turbo back in the 80s, or yeah, late 80s. And, and, you know, I said, oh, this is great. And then once again, I got a job where I was lo working a little more locally and, and you know, 944 Turbo in the wintertime is like one of the worst vehicles on a planet. It's like, oh, it's 50-50 balance. And it's like, it's a great propeller, you know, it goes round and around, you know, and I, you'd slide off the road, you know, going in a straight line. I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was, I'm like, yeah, I should. So I, I ended up trading in that end for like another BMW. I got like a five, five thirty, I think at the time. And, you know, it's just, you know, you, you just keep going down the path, you know, and then you go, right. well, it's a Dan. You know, next thing I think, you know, I'm doing okay. I moved in, I moved to another company. Um, I worked for, I worked for the company that sells all those little white tags that you see on uh, goods, you know, you, so people can't ste steal aspirin and uh, batteries. And so I worked for a company called Checkpoint Systems. I moved over into that side of the planet. Um, and I was there a long time. I was there a long time, but I was also pretty good at it. So I was making some money and decided to waste a lot of it, you know, on cars. So once again, I went down the path and I bought a, um, a 63 Austin Healey uh, BJ7 and I was driving that. Plus I had my, you know, by then I had a 540i and I'm 
I was this is the happiest guy on the planet, you know. So the Austin Healy at that time, at the when you bought this '63, I mean, you're talking, you're pro, you're talking probably. Are you in the late '80s, early '90s? No, that 92, had to be the '90s. About '92, about '92. Yeah. So the Healy was already a pretty old car. Oh, sure. Three. Yeah. And did you? Was it already kind of like restored pristine, or was it kind of like a? It was a really, it was, yeah, it had been restored, you know, kind of like a driver restoration, but it was a a solid car. There was no, it wasn't hacked together. I didn't want to buy something like that. I didn't want to put time into it, Um, but it was a solid car. You could drive it around pretty much anywhere. Um, So, you know, of course the, the, the shop I took it to was a place called Sport and Specialty. Okay. And the gentleman who started Sport and Specialty was a man named Mark Baker. And uh, Mark and I became pretty fast friends. We we're exactly the same age, graduated from high school the same year. If we had been in high school together, we probably would have been buddies, you know? So we became pretty good friends. And then, you know, one thing led to another. And of course now, you know, I, I went to a, I went to, <laughs> went to a, a show and I went, Oh, this is great. I got my Healy. And I, I showed up at the show at like eight o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, okay, what do you do the rest of the time? And everybody's said. <laughs> And I'm like 39, you know, I'm looking around going, what do we do now? Like, oh, you, you know, you take your chair out and you sit around and wave to people. I'm like, yeah, I'm not, do- I'm not doing that. That's not, it's, this is it all day. And, and as it turns out, I met some guys who vintage raced. And uh, once again, one thing led to another. And, you know, I, I, a month and a half later, I was down in Florida. I had a trade meeting and I was looking through like sports car, you know, one of the sports car magazines it was probably grassroots or something. And I, I, uh, I fired off down to, to one of the local to Fort Pierce and bought a, bought a, uh, a bug eye Sprite race car. Wow. I had it delivered to the house and spent the winter putting it back together and, you know, working on it. And then I, in, in the spring, I sent it up to Mark at sport and specialty and he kind of tuned, you know, he kind of sorted it and got a few things ready. And that was 1998. And uh, I've been kind of vintage racing ever since. Um, and then so, Mark, you know, again, Mark and I still remain friends through all that. So you do um, like you'll do historic racing like down at do they do that down in Sebring and uh, and um, um, where, where are some of the tracks that they're doing the majority Lime Rock? Um, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, pretty much all the big tracks like in, in the Midwest here. Around Chicago, we're really blessed. I mean, we have Road America. There's a big event. Road America, up, sure, yeah. Big, you know, big event coming at Road America. Six miles from my shop is a is a track called Blackhawk Farms, which is, you know, a very traditional, small, you know, 1.9 mile um, uh, road race sports car track, and it's 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 terrific. I probably have about 2,000, 3,000 laps or something on it because it's the local, you know, it's our local one. So would that be comparable to like, for us, like Willow Springs or something like that? Yeah, maybe. Willow Springs is kind of bigger, but yeah, it's, okay. it's about that size. Um, okay. and it's, you know, it, and it's classic, it's a classic sports car track, but there's also, you know, Audubon Country Club, which has two, two courses or a, one big course, um, is, is a local track. Um, Gingerman Speedway or Gingerman, uh, International Raceway, as they, they like to call it, which is a wonderful track. I love that track. They, they have a race a week from this weekend. And um, and then there's Groton, which is one of the craziest tracks on the planet. It's a ton of fun. And, you know, so we within 
within three hours of Chicago, we probably have five or six really good tracks. We're fortunate. Wow. That is, that is really lucky because I mean, I mean, even here in, here in Southern California, you have to go to uh, Fontana to, to the speedway, um, you know, or uh, we've got Willow Springs, Button Willow, and then, and then you got to, and then you got to drive from here. It's like a five hour drive. I think five, five hours, five or six hours, depending on how you go to uh, Monterey to Laguna Seca. Sure. So, so yeah, I mean, that's pretty fortunate that you have something within that close. Yeah. Close we proximity. Did, yeah. We've got, and we've got good groups. Midwestern council of sports car clubs has a good vintage event. I'm the chair there, so I don't mind supporting it. Um, but I race with VFCDA too, which is another, uh, you know, club. It's a club based, uh, uh, club based group and, you know, great people, lots of fun. Um, so, you know, I've been, I've been doing that. I, I recently sold my bug eye, which I, I ran for a long time and kept it, you know, even after I had moved to, uh, an alpha GTV, I was racing uh, GTV for, for, for a long time. I still have the car. I'm still racing it. And then I also added last year, I added a BMW 72 BMW 2002 to the, to the mix because I just can't help myself. That's <laughs> so so take us think- <laughs> take us to take us back a little bit to how, what was it about the British cars that got you hooked? It's, it's just how I started into it. You know, um, I like the British cars and, and I had the, uh, that Healy, I had the bug eye. Um, and really, you know, that, that's what, it, it, I guess everybody seems to start and, and gravitate towards that as their first car. I mean, there's more, uh, you know, crap can MG midgets out there and, um, you know, MGBs and, and old Spitfires and anything else. And that's how a lot of people get into the hobby, you know, a little bit later, you know, all the, all the Fiat's that have rusted away, have, you know, turned fans like you and I into uh, Alfa Romeo guys, you know, and if you really go crazy, everybody's got a Ferrari tucked away somewhere if they really get, you know, it really yeah. takes a bug. Um, so I, 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 you know, that's pretty much what I was doing. I was driving my, my uh, BJ seven. Um, and then, and, and I was, I, I, as it turned out, I ended up being promoted into, a, um, into it, at work. Um, I ran um, like the, the Americas and Asia Pacific for this, for this group I was in, it was called auto ID, but you know, we, we, we did uh, barcodes and uh, RFID and a lot of other technologies that, that, kind of were fun and it, and it was fun to do. And, and I took these little companies that we, uh, we had purchased over time and, and I, I made them profitable. And the bad news was the board needed some money one year and they decided mine were profitable. Let's, let's sell them. So I ended up on the outside, kind of on the outside looking in as it turned out. Um, and we sold the business. So um I'm not sure how that, that worked. Um, anyway, sorry for the, the buzz there. Um, anyway, um, I was kind of on the outside looking in and, and um, the way we, the way it worked out was um, I kind of, I, I took it, I took a package. So I, I didn't, you know, and, and I was 50 years old. I wasn't, I wasn't a kid, but I wasn't, you know, 72. So I'm like, right, uh, right the package wasn't big enough. If I wanted to continue to the lifestyle that I'd become accustomed, which was 
you know, pissing away a fair amount of cash every year on race cars and, and sports cars, I, I was going to have to do something. So I took a few years off. I went back to college and finished the, the degree I never finished. And uh, I, I was goofing around looking for looking to try to get a job. And I did a couple of private equity things. And it was during the 2008-2009 financial meltdown. So cash was a little tight. So as it turns out, my friend, my best friend, Mark Baker, um, you know, uh, unfortunately he had a heart attack. Uh, guy oh. never smoked, never drank. And, but he had this, this business, you know, restoring mostly Austin Healy's. He had a few, yeah, he's had a Jag, he had a Jag in there, but mostly he was a, an Austin Healy restorer. So I, you know, I was looking at it and I'm, I went and got a real job and I had a real job for about four months. And, and I went, boy, this is terrible. This isn't quite as much fun as I thought it was going to be. And uh, after being off for a while, and I just wanted to do my own thing in some way, shape or form. I, I didn't want to, you know, but I, I got that job and, and um, I did what they wanted me to do on a contract over six months and about four. So they said, you know, we're just going to let your contract run out. I went, mm -hmm. okay. So I was helping Mark's family run the business, sport and specialty at the time. So I went back and I said, you know, I said, let me, I talked to my wife and I said, honey, I said, let's, let's see if we can, I'm thinking I'm going to make the, the bakers a, an offer on the business. <laughs> now you got to remember this business is 75 miles from my home and I have no, no, I have no, no desire to move. So I'm like, wow, this is going to wow. be a thing. Yeah. So I said, well, let's see what happens. So we, uh, you know, so as it turns out, um, I bought the business and, uh, that was 10 years ago. So this is my 10th year, uh, running this business and, and, you know, it, it's been, it's really been a lot of fun. And, you know, it's, it's, it, you know, it's like any other business said, you know, it's up, it's down, sure. um, you know, it's like, Oh, geez, you know, I lost a person, you, you gained a person, you know, and, and being an ex corporate guy, you don't call the controller and go, Hey, I need some more cash in, in, in Singapore, you know, <laughs> yeah. you don't do that. You know, it's like, I'm you, the are the, you are yeah, the cash, you know, it's like, wow. But, you know, <laughs> if the uh, compressor goes out and you need, you know, 5,000 bucks or 6,000 bucks, I go to the bank for it, you know, and it's yeah. my, it's my savings account. So, yeah. you know, or what most people don't understand too, is like, we're three times bigger than when we started 10 years ago. Mm, you know? Wow. So, that's great. Thanks. And, and, but what, but that also means I need more cash. So everybody goes, wow, you're doing great. You must be rich. And I'm like, no, no, no. You know, as much as you out, you're shoveling it back into this thing, you know, and, yeah. and uh, where I had three employees. Now I have six and, and I, they're paid, paid better now. And I've got a, you know, let's call it a, uh, you know, a more seasoned staff. Although my, my staff is actually pretty young. Um, the average age on my staff is 43. And then, uh, and then, and then the, you know, vintage, vintage uh, uh, sports car restoration business, that's, that's pretty good. You know, most of the guys that are in this business now are pretty much in their, you know, 60s and 70s, and they can't yeah. get in and out of the cars as well. Yeah, I mean, and also, I mean, you got to think about, I mean, the knowledge base of these employees. I mean, um, hat, hats off to you, one, one primarily for paying them better because i think that a lot of these guys aren't aren't really paid what they're what they're really worth and yep. in, in, in 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 what they're producing um and also um you know 
it's hard. I'm, it's hard to find somebody that can, you know, tune in a set of Zenith carbs, uh, you know, you know, triple Weber's or what have you, you know, um, you know, find, find workers, you know, the, the old seven, like you said, the old 60, 70 year old, 75 year old guy. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they're kind of disappearing little by little. So, I mean, it's a trade that needs to be passed on and, and taught if we want to keep these old cars going. Agreed. And I, I, I spent time with um, some of the different organizations, you know, trying to recruit, trying to um, um, stimulate excitement, you know, within, within this, this piece of the business. Um, you know, it, I would tell you a lot of the guys that um, you would think you could hire, say out of a, out of a dealership, you can't, Mm-mm. you can't, they're not, they, they don't have the basic skills. They don't have the same, auto shop skills that I do. Now I couldn't go in and work on a, a modern car. You know, first I don't have the patience to remove a thousand things before you even get to the, you know, <laughs> true. <laughs> it's like, Oh my goodness. You know, the, the alpha behind you, I've got one of those too. I've got a 71 also that used to be that color, by the way. And, and um, <laughs> you know, you just open it up and even with the speaker, mine still has speaker injection in it. And yeah, so does mine. Yeah. And uh, even with the speaker, you can get to everything. It's right there. I can yeah. see, you, take, you take that big air cleaner off and you dive right in um, yeah. a little tougher on the new stuff, but I've got it. I've got one of my, uh, let's call it my, one of my corporate um, um, super superpowers was I built good teams. So I've been very fortunate. I think at sport and specialty to um, attract you know, and keep some great people. Um, I lost a guy a couple, couple months ago, you know, it broke my heart, you know, but he was a guy that we spent time training. Now he didn't, he didn't go away angry. He, he went to a different industry because he had an opportunity that kind of came, came out of left field and, you know, you, you know, it, that happens. You have to, that happens and you support yeah. him. Right. You know, right. And, and you support him at that time. So in the shop, I mean, you guys, you guys seem to work on uh, a multitude of different types of vehicles. You're not like, you're not like alpha specific or, uh, you know, uh, MG, you know, MG specific or anything like that. I mean, cause I mean, you have an array of different manufacturers. How, how hard is it to, how hard is it to, to work on different cars, even though they're old or classics, but they're all a little different. Is there, is it something that's easily picked up or how does that work? Well, I, I wouldn't say easily picked up, but you know, you have to make sure you've got a good core of people that know each of them. Okay. So, you know, Jay, I, basically, you know, it was an Austin Healy shop when I bought it from Mark, you know, and everybody knew Austin Healy's, we know how to fix them. You know, and even that's getting harder and harder to find. But we know how to do everything from the ground up. You know, I, um, my my fabrication body shop guy Ryan Vetter, to, you know, very skilled guy now. But he's been with us. He's been in the shop for sixteen plus years. You know, he knows how to do these, and he does them well. And and uh, you know, I've got I was fortunate enough to find a guy a couple of years ago as a mechanical guy, um, and and George is terrific. You know, but he. He grew up in that business. His dad was in the business. And George is like, eh, you know, early, early to mid 50s. Um, but he, he can he can look at a book and figure out things. OK, like we're, we're you know, working, working through Jaguar stuff. He, he understands all the basics. So I, I try to make I make sure that, you know, 
one guy is always kind of training another, you know, we're trying to bring people in. I've got a 23 year old guy in there that we've had working in the shop since high school. He stayed with me. I, I pay him appropriately. We make sure that he's got a career path, if you will. Uh, we brought another young, uh, young man, uh, another guy in at 13 years in the military, you know, he came in and he's, you know, ready to go. He wants to learn this stuff. And so I'm, you know, I'm willing to train him. We have another guy that's early fifties, but you know, Bill, Bill came in from the uh, IT industry and, and he's been picking this up a little at a time. So you, you need to make sure people don't get stale. You need to have a, a program to move them through. Um, I've done a few other programs that, um, where, I, where I've told people, you know, I think we as an industry, and again, I'll apologize to some of my peers and, and some I won't, but, you know, I, I think, I, I think that, that there's a lack of sophistication on how to onboard people, you know, and that, you know, the old, the, the old program 20, 30 years ago was easy. You just, you hire a guy and you give him the crappiest jobs in the shop. And if he's still there a year later, maybe he's worked, he's, he's, he's worth putting some time and money into. And, sure. uh, <laughs> you know, nowadays you can't do that. These kids are coming out with an expectation to make a little money, to learn something new. Um, I, I don't say we have to baby them. And I, that's certainly not how, you know, anybody probably um, uh, brought you or I along, but in the meantime, you know, there's, there's, there's an expectation of, uh, you know, risk and reward. And, and, and these guys want, if they're going to work hard, they want to be rewarded and, and they want to, they want some recognition for what they do. So it, you can't just say, Hey, clean the, clean the bathroom until I tell you to stop. Yeah. You know, that's not, a, it's not, a, it's not a good program. So at the shop, at the shop, um, what percentage of of the work that comes in it would you say is uh is like restorations or full-on restorations versus uh services that are done maybe somebody comes in and says hey i need new brakes and and um you know what oil change new brakes and maybe somebody comes in and says hey i have a an issue with my uh, transmission can you check it out uh versus um versus somebody coming to you and saying hey i've got this this uh, garage fine that I want to fully restore. Um, unlike unlike being in Huntington Beach, um, come November I gotta lock the doors because of the, the so weather. One of the things, yeah, it starts snowing and pretty much nobody's out and they're taking the tops down and driving their cars around. So what I found is I I tend to rotate, you know, I try to look at the business and I rotate the business around when that door gets locked and and. Right now in August, I'm already looking to see because we'll always get the guys that say, hey, I need my car fixed. I don't care if I don't get it back till spring. Well, and I go, hey, I'm not a storage garage. So here's the deal, you know, call me in the spring. You know, so I, I would say when we first started, it was about 50-50, maybe, you know, 50% restoration, depending upon the time of year. And then nowadays, I would say it's 80-20. And it's really, it's become harder and harder after the COVID thing, we've gotten busier, by the way, but, you know, even on our restoration business, it's getting harder and harder um, to take cars in for service because I don't know when I'm going to get apart and I, and I just don't have the room to rotate cars in and out. So We're, it is 80% restoration. Yeah, 75 to 80%. I mean, I could see, you know, in a perfect world, it's mostly restoration. The problem is what people don't understand about restoration is one part can hold you up for two months. 
you know, yeah. or you have to kind of take as much business as you can in because you don't do anything in a serial manner. You don't work on one car till it's done and move on to the next car. You've always got projects going on. And so you have to kind of manage, you know, manage your staff and manage parts and manage the schedule around that. So, you know, right now we, we just had a meeting the other day. I have actual meetings and stuff. We run it like a business. Um, and, and we were talking about, you know, when do we stop taking in service work right now? Because if I can't get it in and out within 60 days, and sometimes that'll happen. So when, you know, my machine shops, the machine shops are uh, woefully behind right now. They can't get help. So come, someone comes in and says, oh, the, you know, I find a bent valve. Okay, it's got to go out to the machine shop. That car is going to sit there for, you know, 45 days, maybe. That I can't, I can't have, a, you know, a, a stall, you know, occupied for 45 days. So yeah. it, it's become a, a very delicate dance as to when we can take them in. And I've got friends who are calling and people that are great customers of mine saying, hey, I need to get my car in. And I'm saying, I hate to tell you this, but it, it might be February or March before we can get that in. You know, it, we're going to have to wait till the winter breaks. So my job pretty much from now until November is also to make sure I got enough restoration business to slide me through the winter because yeah. nobody, nobody's showing up. You know? Yeah, because it, it, it's a balancing act for you. You really yeah, have absolutely. to balance it. Right. And I've, Ken, I've got an operations manager. Uh, his name is Ken Billmack. And Ken, you know, that's Ken's job. You know, I work with him and he works with uh, the mechanical and the um, um let's call it the body fabrication guys. That's my little, that's my team. I got three, you know, three guys on my team, you know, and we all kind of work together, you know, Rob and Peter to pay Paul to figure out how, you know, how, how we're going to do, I could use another, I could use another hand and it's hard to find that, that person. Um, Cause they also have to work with a team. If you've got a really good team in this industry, you know, and these guys like each other. They have lunch together. They goof around. They, you know, uh, after work, they'll stick around and have a beer together and talk about family or meet, you know, meet afterwards. If you have that and you bring the wrong guy in, it becomes toxic. It's a problem. Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. So, you know, my job is to make sure that doesn't happen. So they, you know, my, my job Ed, is kind of like, I, I'm out, you know, making things happen. I, I'm out on the planet. You know, I, I said, guys, my job here is to bring you work. Make sure you have the tools to do your work. Make sure you have the cash to, I have the cash to buy more, <laughs> buy more tools when we need it and keep the parts moving, you know, and, and make sure, you know, you guys always have a paycheck and, and, and that's what I do and, and kind of make sure that, you know, everybody's got a, got a home. So, so it sounds like it sounds like like if i if i if i said hey john i'm gonna i want to bring my alpha into the shop uh this afternoon for an oil change uh don't worry i'll hang around the lobby till you're done that's not really going to happen too much at your shop you know if if you know if we had if we had been doing business for the last five six seven eight years and i had a filter or you had the oil i might sneak you in okay because Gotcha. Just because, right? You know, but if sure, you called sure. and said, you know, hey, um, you know, and, and and you don't argue about the price, and you, <laughs> you know, you don't you don't whine and cry um, about everything. But no, if if you come <laughs> in, you know, but if you come in and and I, I might be able to sneak in, you know, occasionally. But even some of those, some of the people that do that occasionally, start taking advantage of it. And you just got to say no. Yeah. No. I, you know, if I if I've got two cars on a lift, and you know, part of it is too. 
you know, the people we get parts from, I, I'm not getting them from Napa. You know, right. I don't have a guy dropping them off. So, you know, I, I, I argue uh, somewhat regularly, you know, with, with one of the, one of the big British car part companies. Um, and, and they say, wow, you know, we're getting better, you know, getting new parts. And I said, well, if I put a car on a lift on Thursday and I take it apart and I can't move it around the shop, you know, suspension wise or brakes, you know, and I do that and I place an order on Friday and you guys don't ship it till Tuesday and I don't see it for another week. I, I've locked up, you know, an opportunity to make money. I said, you guys got to do better than that. Well, you know, that's, I mean, and, and that's, that's part of the challenge with this business because those people also sell to the general public. They sell to the hobbyist. Right. And right. the hobbyists think it's fun. <laughs> they think this is great. You know, oh, I, I, I've been waiting forever for this part. You know, for them, it's something to talk about over a beer on Thursday night. Exactly. For me, it's like, hey, I just, I just lost three, you know, three, four hundred bucks waiting for this part to come in. Come on, boom, boom, boom. So, does it, does it, does it, when you got into it, when you got into it, did you, was this something that you already kind of knew coming into the role here of buying the shop or was this coming like one of these things you kind of said, cause I can see kind of almost being a little like overwhelming where you're like, Oh man, if I don't have this, Oh, this is going to get locked up. Oh my God. I'm going to have this car on this lift. You know, we had, I had a guy uh, that, that worked for Mark and it kind of took over for a year before I bought it. Um, and, and I, you know, I was, a, you know, in my past lives, I was kind of an acquisition guy. So I, I kind of knew, you know, I, I was brave enough to like put my head down and jump in and not know what's going on. I've, 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 I've been, I've been part of two or three different businesses where I hadn't, I was in the printing business, the offset printing business. You know, somebody said, here, you're in charge of this business. And I'm like, I don't know anything about this business. You're like, <laughs> you better learn, you know, okie doke. Okay. You know, and so I've, I've been down that road before. Um, I, I knew a lot of the customers, you know, that Mark had and Mark and I were close enough where, you know, we'd, you know, commiserate and bitch about our, you know, bitch about our businesses or whatever we were doing. And so I kind of knew how things went there. I was fortunate that way, you know? Um, and so, but Mark, you know, Mark's business wasn't exactly a growth at the time. He he wasn't really growing. So, you know, the, the growth thing I had to kind of bring to it, um, you know, how to, how to get in, you know, I wanted to do, I didn't want to do Heelys the rest of my life. So I decided, you know, Jaguars would be a good place to go next. So we got into the Jaguar business and, you know, that, that took a lot of focus and time and, and effort and a little more, more than a little bit of, you know, missteps, you know, where I, you know, I couldn't bill for the six hours it took us to, you know, to do something that should have taken two. Okay. And, and that's fine. That's, that's part of what caught, you know, the cost of doing business, but then we got into Alpha's, you know, cause I like Elvis, you know, and we've done some special one-off cars and we've done, um, I've got a, we've got a 51 Mercury in there right now, which, you know, which is cool. We're putting a new chassis on it. And, and quite honestly, my guys get bored of looking at Heelys, you know, I got all of a sudden, and I swear to God, every time I think we're never going to have another Healy in the shop, five of them show up and we've got like four or five of them in right now. I'm like, where the hell did these come from? I don't understand it. <laughs> you know, and, and the guys call be, it's and then part of it is because, you know, there, there just isn't, there isn't a lot of guys doing this, you know, the, the guys are starting to go through and, you know, I'm in my mid sixties. I'm, and I look around, I'm like a kid still to, in, in, in this business to some of the guys. So, you know, we'll, we'll see it. It, it, it. It's not a, it's not a super complicated business, but, 
there's some nuance to it that that you know takes a little finesse. So so the fact that you you still vintage race, I mean, I'm sure that that the having the shop and vintage racing, um, I sure kind of go hand in hand in the sense of 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 potential new clients and and customers coming coming to you or you already may have a a a steady group of vintage racer clients that bring their cars that have been bringing their cars to your shop for years well you know vintage racers are the ultimate like cheap guys okay i mean everybody (laughs) you know especially in the midwest i mean it you know the, the west west coast and east coast you, you know i'll tell you that even the even the restoration shops out there on the west coast and the east coast um uh are are they charge way more than i do okay i'm, I'm at about a buck i'm at a buck 10 for restoration most of the you know the restoration shops the west coast and east coast are, are significantly above that many of them or or of the kind you know of the caliber that we are let's say um and, and i find it funny I find it funny because a lot of it has to do, you know, let's call it boat thinking. Okay. You know, Huntington beach, I, you know, I've been in the Harbor. I, I know I've got friends that live there. I, you know, it, but it's a, you know, for you guys, you, Oh, it's cold out. It's not cold out. It's pretty nice. out. You can sail, you can go out on a, you know, you can use boats all the time. Sure. You know, in the car, car culture doesn't really shut down out there, you know, like in Arizona, they don't drive in the winter in the summertime, but they drive a lot in the wintertime. So, you know, it's a little bit different, but a lot of this, you know, the California, Florida guys, you know, a lot of that, it, a lot of that is a little bit different. You guys can enjoy your cars a little bit more. Um, you know, for us, it's it, not, not so much, you know, we, uh, we, you know, we tend to, we, we tend to like, look at it. Uh, we can only race until, you know, the end of October and then it shuts down and we don't go back out until, until May you can you can kind of you know you guys can kind of do that stuff a little bit a little bit longer they're racing it's kind of, it's kind of like like in the boating industry where boats get get uh are laid up they're sure. you know they take them out of the water they 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 lay them up and then they pop them back in in april or something or may pop them back into the water pretty much pretty much so but we don't, you know, we don't, the guys in the Midwest go, okay, I'll take care of it in the off season. So they don't send them to me. They just do their, a lot of their own work. So we're, you know, we're there. It, it's kind of in, in the West coast, you get maybe have a, you know, I look at some of the cars in the Monterey classics and I'm like, Holy cow. You know, these, they, a lot of these guys do arrive and drive, you know, we've got two or th- we've only got two or three guys in the Midwest that really do a good job with that. I go to the, uh, some of the, the races at road America guys are trucking in semis full of race cars classic race cars from the east and west coast they're all coming in there's like two or three guys from around our area that do that it just yeah, isn't yeah. you know it's it's more of a thing on the two coasts where the weather's a little more you know temperate and they can they can do it a little bit longer um so we we do we do prep you know we do some service but you know i've got i've got two two race cars in right now that's it and the rest are restorations. I like doing race car work. It's fine. But see, I also don't do arrive and drive. So when I go to the racetrack, you know, if somebody, if I have a customer whose car breaks, I don't want them bothering me. I, you know, I might be going out in the next heat. So, right. you know, it, but on the other hand, you're right. I mean, I, 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 I'm a very fortunate guy. I, you know, I derive my income from this. Um, I, I, I have my own classic cars that I'm restoring. I've, I've got a, 
Alpha uh, 65 Alpha Veloce, um, uh, Julia Veloce spider that we're, um, we're restoring right now. And I've got a 356 that's lining up over here in the corner, you know, that I want to do. So, you know, I get to vintage race, I get to do this, I get to do that. Um, and, I, you know, I'm, I'm immersed in it, you know, I'm pretty much immersed in it. And I get to do, you know, I get to do podcasts with guys like you and I have a, I have a blast. I mean, this is, you know, everybody goes, oh, you're living the dream, you know, except some days you come home and you go, man, that was today. Today <laughs> was not the dream, man. It was not the dream, you know? I wasn't too dreamy today. <laughs> no, no, no. This was, this was not the dream I had in mind, but you know, generally speaking, um, it's fun. I, it was funny. I, I very early after I bought the business, I, I was asked to sponsor a, uh, uh, um, a Sunday afternoon piece with um, uh, the RPM Foundation, Diane Fitzgerald had, and, and Lynn St. John and Bobby Rahal uh, agreed to come out and, and um, speak. So I got to introduce them, you know, and I was like, wow, this is, is this, does it get any That's cool a dream. This? Right. So I, you know, I even have a couple of pictures and, and Bobby was super gracious and Lynn and I have been friends and, and uh, for a while, and she's really funny. Um, but, you know, somebody asked Bobby, you know, like, what is it like? Because he's, he owns it. And most people don't know. He also owns a bunch of BMW dealerships in Ohio. And, you know, he's, he's in it, not only with the, you know, Letterman Ray Hall thing, but, you know, the whole, the, you know, the whole piece. And, and, <clears throat> you know, I'm looking and he says, yeah, he goes, I don't watch football. You know, he goes, I watch racing. I, you know, I sell cars. I, I mean, his whole, you know, his whole piece is like that. And, and I, every once in a while, I start laughing because that's all I do. You know, we're, we're restoring cars where people call me that for, you know, referrals and to do this and do that. And then I'm, you know, I'm vintage racing. Next week, I go out to um, the national Austin Healy um, uh, meet in the Poconos, you know. So Sunday morning, Saturday morning, I, I load up, you know, and I, I head out there and I'm, I'm bringing my own car. I'm going as a participant. I'm not I, I, I'm a sponsor, but I'm not, they asked me to do a presentation and I went, no, I'm not doing a presentation. I'm judging, I guess, you know, I'm like, okay, I'll judge, but I don't, I don't want to do that. I just want to go out and be one of the guys. I want to hang out and go on the tours and, you know, drink a few beers and talk to, you know, talk to other car people, you know, yeah. so sometimes that's a little, even a little bit more fun, but um, yeah, I mean, this is, this is quite a, you know, quite a thrill, quite a ride. So what, what, so is that, is that what's next for you coming up? I mean, is there other events or things that you, do you guys do any events at the, at the shop? Do you guys do, you know, cars and coffees or anything like that every once in a while or, or. We're or... far, we're far enough out. I'm, I'm probably 90 miles from O'Hare. You know, like I said, I I'm 75 miles from the shop. So I, I go up, I'm not there every day. You know, I, I used to be up there four or five days a week. I'm probably up there three, four days a week now. Um, and, and I do a lot of the running around down in the, in the populated part of the world. You know, I get Chrome or I pick, I was at the upholsterers today before we, we talked. Um, so I do a lot of the running around, um, and, and, uh, you know, take care of a, take care of a lot of, of those things. Um, but I, I don't, you know, I, I do, a, I do an open house every year. If you look on my website, if you look on my website, you'll see, um, I probably get 60, 60 cars out for, for, a, um, an open house in July, August. And it's just uh, far enough where it's a nice drive. People like to come out, 
you know, they don't, a lot of people don't come out two, three, you know, two years in a row, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll go someplace else, which is fine. You know, I, I like having them out and, and I, I get a food truck out and an ice cream truck and, you know, we, we, uh, you know, people come out and hang out. I open up the shop and people can look at the, you know, the projects we have going on and my guys, you know, I'd say, listen, I, I need you to work for free one day. Cause I can't afford to have all you guys here doing nothing for a day. On the other hand, they really like it. I think they tell me that. I'm not sure they're, you know, tell me, <laughs> but they get, they get to show off their work. You know, they get to walk around and go, yeah, this is what I'm working on now. And people are really interested in it. And, and as we go from, you know, Heelys to Jags to Alphas to maybe Porsches and, you know, and, and even some hot rod business, people, more people come out and take a look at it and go, Hey, would you think about doing one of these? Or how about one of these? I, We've got um, my friend Richard Lincoln's Devin in right now, which is a really cool oh, wow. car. And yeah. we're, you know, we're working on that and, and trying to do some things that he wants to go to the next step on. So, you know, I've got a Lotus Cortina that, you know, race car that's, that's, that's come in. And, and so, you know, as you said, as you asked, you know, how do you get to the, you know, other, you, you show people that you're interested in working in other stuff and, you know, they'll, they'll Hey, would you, would you like to work on one of these? Oh yeah, I would, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. So the, the shop is again, is called sport and specialty. Um, and it's in what city is it in located? Well, it's, it's near Rockton, Illinois, just North of Rockford, Illinois, but it's um, uh, just right at the Wisconsin border, you know, between uh, very close to the Wisconsin border in Illinois, just North of Rockford. Got it. Got it. Okay. And you know, for everybody, if you want to see the website, it's uh sport and www.sportandspecialty.com, uh, right? Yes. A-N-D, A-N-D specialty.com. Um, not no ampersand. And um, you know, it's a pretty, it's a great website. We, I had a lot of fun putting that together too. I've got a, I've got a friend that's, um, you know, pretty astute at, at, at doing that. And he and I, we, I tend to let, it, it tends to get behind for, you know, five or six months, you know, in this, in the summer and in, in the summer and fall, just cause we got so many other things going on. And then, you know, I usually go on a bonsai run and just focus on it for a couple of weeks and show all the new cars that we did last year and what we have going on. And um, yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people, we get a lot of kudos on the, on the website. And it also tells, a little bit more background about myself and my guys and, you know, how the business came to be, you know, and then what cars I'm driving these days. And, you know, it's just, it just, it's just one of those things that, you know, you can answer some questions if you have anything about the shop. What's the best way if somebody wants to, to reach you, John, if they have a question about the shop or, or maybe they just want to meet you. I mean, what's the best way probably for them to do that? They can uh, go on the website, you know, on the front page, down at the bottom, it says, contact us. Um, you can do a John at sport and which is my email address or my cell phone numbers on there. So if, you know, I'm not going to, you know, you can, you can look it up. Um, you know, Ed, it's, it wasn't very hard to find me. Uh, yeah. but, you know, if you want to look at it, look on the website, my, my cell phone's on there, the shop numbers on there and my cell phone. If you want to talk to me directly, feel free to give me a call. Um, you know, I, I, I tend to be, you know, as an ex-corporate guy, I tend to be one of these guys that's like always, always like available, unfortunately, much to my wife's chagrin. Yeah. Um, you know how that goes. It's like, God, stop, would you? Please don't call John after 9 p.m., please. Yeah, 
right, right. Yeah, or or you know, during so I finally get home and it's like, oh no. Yeah. I'll just buy yeah. in the morning. Leave yeah. a message. Saturday Saturdays and Sundays are are off limits and dinner time, please. True. Uh, true. Yeah. Actually, it's true. We don't, you know, we only we work Monday through Friday, five days. You know, we don't I don't have Saturday, Sunday hours. I, I can't afford the overtime, quite honestly, but you know, um we, we I try to make it, you know, as 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 hospitable as possible for myself and my guys. Sure, sure, absolutely. Okay, well, hey, John, this has been fun. Thank you so much. Um, any any last parting words or anything you wanna you wanna let us know or you know no, any, just, adv any advice for any up and coming young person wanting to get into the industry? What what would be that that one thing you want to tell them that well, might I, make them shine a little bit? It's uh, you know, pursue it. I, you know, I hate to say it. I mean, pursue it. It's it, 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 this this is like any other business. If you want to get into it, pursue it. I keep telling that they people they should brand themselves. You know, they should have a business card with their name on it and said, you know, I am a vintage mechanic or I am a um, a great fabricator body guy. You know, and and nowadays make a name for yourself. If you have a car you like, take it out and show it around. Bring it to shops. Show your, you know, show your name. Don't be shy. Um, you know what? It would be appreciated by the shop owners. And if they don't appreciate you coming out doing it, there are any place you want to work for anyway. In the first place. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, meet, meet as many people as you can. You know, that's one thing I've done really well in this industry is I've networked a lot. And, and I know every, you know, I, I know lots of young guys. I know lots of older guys. And, and let me tell you, we all like one thing. We all like dig cars. We're having fun with them and, and uh, doing shows like this are a blast. I, I hope, you know, I hope, hope it increases my reach. And, you know, like I said, I hope people call me. Yeah. Thanks, John, so much. Thanks, Thanks for coming man. on. I appreciate it. And uh, again, anybody you want to reach, uh, you know, John, uh, you know, sport and specialty is the shop um, and they are out in Illinois. So again, John, thank you so much. And we'll you. talk to you next time. Take care. Thanks, man. Thank All Bye -bye. right.